Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall, and this is a story about rebirth and community, of family determination and neighborly help. After Common Roots Brewing Company burned to the ground a few years ago, the brewery rebuilt and is growing. Christian Weber, the founder of the brewery, is here to tell the story. But first, All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. Visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and there's a professional tier as well. You can check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for more audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice and listen to the shows that are now available, including Brewer to Brewer, which is a conversation about, yeah, brewers talking to brewers, and the All About Beer podcast with M. Souter and Don Tess. We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Brewed in Boston and Vermont for decades by their employee owners. It's hoppy, crisp, and perfectly balanced. Harpoon IPA, New England's original IPA. Visit harpoonbrewery.com to learn more. And are you headed to Colorado for GABF? you should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion featuring America's top craft breweries. And they're going to be pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews, all to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find anywhere else. And you can meet the men and women who brewed them. More information is at pintsforprostates.org. The fire was fast moving and devastating. And even standing outside the rubble in the immediate aftermath, Christian Weber knew that Common Roots would rebuild. The brewery in upstate New York had become a community hub, and the loss was devastating, not only for the customers and for Weber's family, which founded and built the brewery, but also for the employees who relied on the company. So from day one, Weber said that they would be supported and that the brewery would be back. Last week, I had the chance to sit in that rebuilt brewery now with an expanded tap room and restaurant, and to see the plans for additional growth just across the street. It's a remarkable journey for this brewery, which is centered in the Adirondacks, but available in 10 states. Weber talks us through it all. Here's our conversation. Not to belabor it too much, but I know that it is such a part of the story, and we talked about it on the on on Steal This, but certainly not on that show, uh, on this show, but... um, can you take us back to the night of the fire? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I'll never forget it, right? It's, uh, we, um, so, you know, for people that don't know, we had a, we had a, a major fire at our original facility with a kind of boiler vent malfunction and it led to a catastrophic, you know, a structure fire. And, you know, we're very thankful that no one was hurt and all the first responders, you know, were able to get in and out and no one was hurt. And that's really all that matters. But, um, yeah, it was kind of a regular day. We were actually, uh, a colleague and I were actually out at a beer fest called Soured, and it was at Uplands Brewing that weekend. We were hanging out with those guys and pouring beer. In Indiana. In Indiana. Yeah. And I'd gotten back, so it was a Monday night. It was like trivia. The tap room was bumping. I'm not usually there that late, but I was didn't answer a single email while I was Catching gone up, and so, catching yeah. up on some of the things that I had 
And I was just, we had one uh, shift worker working downstairs in the brewery doing kind of some cleaning. So the, you know, the boiler was on and, uh, we, um, you know, anytime you hear something different or you smell something different in a brewery, you always walk around and, and try to figure out what's going on. And, and there was a smell I was, I was smelling and again, couldn't see anything. Um, Wait, you know, like smoke or I, I felt like I, I smelt like uh like a wood burning okay, to tell you the yeah. truth i mean that's kind of i but we're also an area people have backyard fires and sure. stuff so like again you don't really initially think that the building's on fire but i definitely did a, a big sweep around everything and didn't really see anything wrong and went back to my office and you know that sound of crackle you hear when you're at in front of a fire yeah. place or whatever i heard that from behind me because my office actually sits above the brew house and the chase for the vents go right through it. Yeah. That's where the fire actually started behind my walls. And I, as soon as I heard it, you know, I had a pit in my stomach and yeah. I turned around and literally coming through the, the drywall was black smoke. I didn't see any flames yet. And I yeah. immediately ran down to tap room, you know, told the beer tenders to get everyone out of the facility, yeah. ran into the brewery to, you know, look up and I looked up in the chase and I saw like a red glow. Yeah. And you know, like your first reaction is like, go get a hose. And like <laughs> after about a second of that, and actually, um, one of the guys that was working in the brewery, who was in the back, you know, cleaning kegs, um, came in with a fire extinguisher. I'm like, we're beyond a fire extinguisher. Um, and the fire department was there very fast. Um, I was started, you know, once they kind of got on the scene, we're starting to set up things. Um, you know, their trucks and hoses and stuff like that. I was like, I should get stuff out of here. Um, <laughs> we actually had a mobile blending tank, like it was on casters and we had okay. just done a package to collab from like a year ago with KCBC. We did like a, a cool ship all wild and we had just moved it out of barrels into like a, a tank to get some more fruit in it. And, um, I, I moved that out. I grabbed the fork truck, ripped it outside and I was like just grabbing stuff. And then at some point a firefighter was like, you need to get out of here. Yeah. And still didn't think that the, the building was going to be a total loss, but you know, the front end of the building, which where the brew house and boiler and everything was, was the oldest part of the building. And although we had redone it and it looked great, you know, in between the walls was old wood and yeah. that stuff just goes up. Yeah. So complete loss that night. Um, and it was, you know, it was the worst night because you just did everything. You know, my dad and I built the whole brewery ourselves. Right. And now that I have a little one, I always intended to like walk around and show him what, you know, what grandpa and I did together. Yeah. And you know, that was all gone uh, like within a couple hours. And there was also a little bit of kind of an oh shit moment because, you know, we had become a somewhat sizable smaller brewery where we had now a lot of full-time people who relied on us for health insurance and benefits. And, and now there is this kind of like, what do we do now? Yeah. It's not just the the physical list. There's whole families who are on our health insurance plan. You know, how do we continue this? And I had one breakdown. I went home that night. It was like 4am. My lawyer was here. Insurance, everyone was there, you know, and they're like, go home. It's going to be a long day tomorrow. Go get some rest. And I went home for like two hours and slept. Didn't sleep. Right. And when I was leaving, I remember looking at my wife. You're horizontal, but you're not actually. I was just like, yeah, your mind's racing a mile a minute. And I remember I uh, walked down the stairs and my wife gave me a hug and I just started crying. And that was kind of it. And it was like this weird, like, you know what? The hard part's already done, right? It burned. Yeah. That's it. There's, yeah, you there's can't get it back. There's nothing else to do. So, there's no- you know, we were really fortunate that we had a great, you know, we were well insured um, and we had a really great insurance company and they were just 
absolutely wonderful. I talked to Fred Matt and other people who had big fires and, you know, talked about different techniques of independent adjusters and all stuff. And we ended up, you know, just kind of going right with insurance and work with them and everything was really great, but insurance isn't there for everything, you yeah. know? And, um, as you know, there was this outcry from the beer community and the local community outside of it too. And there were festivals and there was this GoFundMe site that, you know, it popped up almost immediately, immediately. And it was yeah. like a bunch of ex employees and just f- friends and, and brewers that kind of did it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was, it was very helpful because what that GoFundMe site and all those, all that fundraising did was allowed for us to keep all of our staff whole throughout mm-hmm. this whole process. Um, cause we were down for about a year and a half, um, from, you know, when we burned to when this new facility opened and we ended up opening a temporary tap room right down the road, but the temporary tap room didn't do what, no. you know, we had seven, six brewers at a time and brewing on a three barrel system. You know, there was a lot standing around and, uh, yeah. you know, we kept everyone and we had a, we had a kind of a big staff meeting at my parents' house, uh, maybe a day or two after the fire. And, um, you know, I gave a little talk and I said, don't worry about anything. We're going to pay your guys, your salaries, your, you know, benefits, everything's gonna be the same. And there, you know, there's a sense of relief, but I also felt like, you know, they're part of our team too. They, they wanted to, what can we do to help? I'm like, yeah. right now, don't worry about anything, you know, just enjoy <laughs> your paycheck will be there. Sure. Let us sort some stuff out. And I remember calling my lawyer and I was like, you know, Hey Matt, you know, I just had the meeting. I told him we're going to keep everyone whole. And he was like, wait, you told him what? And I was like, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. He was like, we don't, we don't have the funds for that. How are we going to do this? And I was like, Matt, I don't know. We're going to figure it out though, because that's just what we're going to do. And, um, so it was just incredibly, uh, it was very humbling to never really be on that kind of supported side. You know, we've always been a very, I think a very charitable company and my family, that's part of our ethos. Yeah. And, um, but to be on that side of it was just, it was just incredibly humbling. And it's, it was, um, I feel very lucky to tell you the truth to have been able to like witness that and kind of live it firsthand. So when we first started this company, um, my dad and I always said that we wanted to have a charitable aspect and, and something more than just doing whatever we could in a tap room. You know, someone comes in, they want to do a fundraiser. We, you know, dollar off, you know, dollar per pint, do a gift basket. Sure. You know, those are always great and we do those, but we wanted to have something a little bit more that really kept us connected with the community. And it wasn't just, we make beer, you know, like, yeah, we make beer and that's really what we want to do. But we also think it's important to be a good community steward as well. Um, And uh, so we'd already talked about doing some sort of nonprofit foundation that Mm -hmm. would be associated with this company. And, um, it was in the original business plan, but after the fire and this enormous community support, we felt like, okay, there's a lot of energy out here and we need to continue this, maintain this energy and, uh, continue to kind of pay it forwards. So we launched the Commoners foundation in uh, 2001 officially. And, um, so we're, we're going on, it's, we'll be two years in, uh, this fall actually. And it's board run and, um, it's been excellent. You know, the brewery gives to it in perpetuity. It has some events. We actually took on a, a corporate partner. There's actually a hydro company that's right here and was looking for something and didn't have the wherewithal maybe to have the infrastructure and yeah. they met with us. We're like, can we just give you money and you guys help, you know, put that out? And we're like, oh yeah, we can, we can do that. And we're like, yeah. we also have some people that might want to send your board if you're okay with having some volunteer seats. And we're like, yeah, what else you got? And I'm, you know, briefcase <laughs> there, you know? <laughs> Uh, so that was, so it's been incredibly, and as much as we're really excited about every, all the growth that the brewery is doing, 
to have this foundation that's growing kind of in unison and has now been able to give tens of thousands of dollars back into the community, we run these six month kind of grant cycles. And um, they're, um, they're usually $2,500 grants and we give anywhere from 10 to 15 of them out every six months. Um, and there's various organizations. A lot of them have gone to community gardens, to um, building trails, to um, AIM services, which does a lot with uh, helping um, you know, community members that might have disabilities and, you know, things like that. So we've, we've partnered with food banks. Um, so there's been just a, a really cool, diverse, um, uh, you know, members of our community that we've been able to kind of support. Um, and it's kind of what it's about, you know, this is a upstate New York is a, is, is a really wonderful place to live. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the community and we're very fortunate, John, you know, cause we're in the craft beer industry and we've yeah. always felt that way, you know, Sam, has that awesome quote the you know 99% asshole free the beer industry and for the most part that I number's think dropped a little maybe bit maybe it's dropped yeah. a little bit but it you know we've been very fortunate and i think you know it's kind of cool that we have a community also that you know has that same kind of focus is there this is a weird question so bear with me as 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 i sort of think this out a little bit cuz i'm i'm recalling talking to somebody years ago and i can't remember who it was but i, I want to say it was in the midwest somewhere that had a charitable arm that was getting pushback saying yeah but this is uh beer which is a vice funding good things and you can't buy your way into heaven like that was the quote and th- so th- there was some pushback of you know well we don't want you know even though it's a legal substance, obviously, uh, you know, we don't want something that, you know, can harm people or, or, you know, like doing community gardens or things. Have, have you experienced any of that or has it really just been, we haven't experienced it? anything like that. Cool. And okay. I would, but you know, I think that's a great point to bring up. And I think we're, you know, we look at our company ethos, right. You know, being a good environmental steward, being a good community steward, those are important things for us. This is a green building. You know, we, there's a lot of aspects that we could talk about just on the building sure. itself and, you know, some of our processes and why that makes sense from just, you know, minimizing our carbon footprint on the world. But in terms of the other side, too, is community wellness is really important. And if you look at we actually there's very few races that we're not the main sponsor of. You know, we support we are sponsored multiple bike teams. Um you know, we do the biggest group ride actually tonight, every Wednesday okay. in probably the area that's organized, incredibly organized. Um, and, uh, you know, just for like us, community like on bikes kind of thing. We do a, that... a group ride. Yeah. Okay. So it's, I mean, there's, I mean, we have anywhere from 60 to hundred people come out every Wednesday. Oh, cool. Um, and it's, it's very well organized. There's, everything's online routes. I mean, you name it. We have ride leaders, captains, there's a person that stays back for a trail wagon, but like we, uh, for us, you know, although beer is maybe a vice and can be you know, used inappropriately. Sure. My favorite thing to do after I go for a bike ride or go skiing is to crack a beer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think there's a balance and a healthy lifestyle. Yeah. We're all adults and sure. I think like beers and you know, is what really helped create our civilization anyway. So I think it should be part of our, you know, everyday life. And if you don't want to have it, we have NA options and sure. we're, you know, there's, we're, we're, we want you part of our community if you don't want to participate in that. And, when I think about, you know, even upstate here, and I had stopped by, God, what's the name of the, the, the liquor store chain up here that everybody... Mm, oh, a uh, liquor store or... Uh, like a beer store. Uh, Minogue's? Minogue's, yeah. yeah. I was in there yesterday uh, just because I like to see, you know, what's moving and things like that. And there's a pretty cool craft section, uh, but by and large, there's a lot of bush light. 
being moved out. There's a lot of, you know, like when you're over at the track and people are walking in with their coolers, you know, it's not always, you know, common roots as much as it may be, you know, Mick Ultra or, or something along those lines. Have you found, though, that there's a sense of pride or at least some sort of relationship that exists with those drinkers who live in this area and what you all are doing, even if they're not drinking your beer, like even if it's not what they feel is for them taste-wise? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're a Bush Light drinker, you know, if I, I know our sales team, you know, we talk about this all the time, right? And uh, I'm not ever, no one, no beer buyer at a bar has ever taken a Bush Light or a Budweiser or whomever off and replacing it with a common roots lager. Right. You know, they're different and I'm okay with that. You yeah. know, like we, we're not really competitive in that sense. You know, there's certainly competitive elements to it. Um, but, uh, you know, I always want the option for someone to try like, Hey, you like Budweiser. Have you had our lager? You've had our Pilsner, yeah. you know, have you had something like that? And if you're not into it, that's fine. But in terms of, uh, I think there is a lot of pride, especially not even in the greater Glens Falls and South Glens Falls for common roots. I mean, I think we are part of their patchwork now. And I think there are people who might not love our beer as much as they love a bush light. Sure. And, but they'll maybe come here because there is a, a bit of pride. There's some community pride elements. And my feeling is like, you know, we're, we, we want that for the whole capital region. You know, we want, you know, part of how we think about things is, you know, we want that to be the local brewery. We want you like, yeah, we might also, when we're having many or we're out of the track or something, go on a boat. Yeah. And it, it is what it is. But um, I think there's that, but maybe I'm biased because I'm sitting from, well, sure. from yeah. my side of it, you know, I hope there is, but we're okay with it too. I look at that. That customer is just a person who we haven't converted yet. When I think about the various regions of New York, um, the city like Queens and Brooklyn has a pretty great beer culture. The Hudson Valley has really grown as a beer culture. Um, does the capital region have one yet? I would absolutely think so. I mean, certainly, um, has a lot of growth potential. Um, and I, you know, I would always love to see more local breweries popping up. Um, actually there's a brewery right down the road who's about to open this Friday. And my father and I are actually a minority partner in it. Okay. Um, and some of that was, she's been trying to do this for a bit and maybe had some trouble getting to the finish line. And she has a very different, uh, business plan than what our business plan is. She's a legit farm. She's been you know, her family's been on it since the seventies. And, um, she's trying to do something different with it now to kind of preserve that culture. And she has like, a lot of shared ethos. And we look at it, it as like, I think what, what she needed to get her to finish line was something we could certainly help with. Yeah. And for us, it's not competitive. I mean, it makes it better. I want another brewery in between us, you know, Yeah. because now all of a sudden there's a reason to come up here. When you hit Saratoga, you can hit her, you can hit us, you can go up to Glens Falls, go up to the Adirondacks. I think there's a lot of growth. Um, I think as you look at distribution, a lot of breweries um, are probably going to have to start pulling back um, because I think there are a lot of really great local options. And I think, you know, just like some of the Renaissance and food, right? Farmers yeah. markets and things like that. I think like there's beer is 
And I think the capital region is probably close to that. Um, there's, there's, a, there's quite a few now, but there's not nearly like there is in terms of density. Um, but there's a capital region brew trail and that's an independent organization and every brewery kind of sits on it as some advisory role. And, um, you know, I think everyone works very closely with the New York state brewers station who does an excellent job, yeah. um, as a state organization. Oh yeah. Paul Leon and his team are great. Oh, uh, they're phenomenal. Um, so a lot of growth. I think it's, it's definitely different though than Queens. Um, sure. And that, but has the potential to be there. Um, because just to save me from the emails that I'll get, what is the name of the brewery that's opening on Friday? Uh, she's called dancing grain farm brewery. Okay. Um, and, uh, they'll be open Friday. Yeah. All right. It's pretty cool. Cool. We're excited. She's been working on this for a number of years. So it was, we did a friends and family thing last night and it was, it was kind of emotional. I, I could see, the relief in her face and just, I remember that excitement my dad and I had, you know, in 2014 when we opened and it was, it was very special for us to be able to kind of help her kind of get to that, the finish line and, and kind of join her team a little bit. Um, and there's also something to be said about her facility for me personally has a lot of, um, similarities and, and reminiscences of the old facility that we had. You know, she, she did every, all the work herself her and her family and I don't know, yeah, this it, is beautiful and I love it, but it, it, it is different now, you know? And you're pointing around this room that we're in right now, which we're in this conference room that feels like a conference room. Yeah. You know, if you've ever been in an office before, yeah. it feels like a conference room. When you were putting this vision together, um, after the fire, um, and you're like, okay, we're going to rebuild, we're going to, we're going to do it. Um, was it an opportunity to do things that you weren't able to do the first time around and, you know, like make, you know, I, in some cases I know people like have like, you know, that 10 year plan. Um, did that, did, did the fire actually help you get closer to that? Or so the funny thing about that yeah. is, uh, the day we burned, we already had foundation form set up to get concrete the next day. Okay. So we had acquired the property next to us. And we were going through a big expansion. Um, actually, the floor plan might have been bigger than this, but it would have been like the old Vermont farmhouse where you just keep adding wings on. Sure. Um, and yeah, less efficient. Yeah. But we were going through a, a major uh, capital project to uh, to expand and and put a you know same brew house everything in. Yeah. Um, way bigger, and um, it completely changed it. But you get a blank slate, and uh, I remember talking to, to Fred. Matt, when yeah. after, after the fire, he called and, you know, kind of gave some advice and he said, I know it's hard to think now, but this will end up being a, you know, a really good for your company. You'll be able to do stuff, stuff differently, exactly like you suggested. And, uh, you know, I was like, at the time I didn't want to hear, you know, I just lost Albury, you know, right, yeah. then, like then I had to think for a second. I'm like, he's like the fifth generation owner of his, you know, yeah. he actually lost quite a few bit of history in his company. So, yeah. um, it is a very interesting, you get a blank slate and there were a lot of stuff we were able to do. And, um, both from just a, you know, production efficiency standpoint from material use. I mean, now we were a, maybe a, a little, you know, we were a mature brewery at that point. So, you know, we were able to kind of think about things a little differently and, yeah. you know, materials and using local and making this a green building and all those sorts of things, which maybe year one wasn't really in the budget. It, it sounds very similar to I mean, on a different scale, but Sierra Nevada Mills river versus Sierra Nevada Chico, where they just kept adding on, you know, properties and like it made sense because that's just what they could afford to build at the time and where they were building it versus going down to Mills River now and it's just oh, seamless and perfect and yep. you know the the brew house dream kind of thing because they had learned from 
you know, not just that Vermont farmhouse style thing, but yeah. just the, you know, how to do it efficiently. Yeah, you know, I I, usually, I compare ourselves to that uh, <laughs> to the Sierra Nevada. <laughs> I'm like, you know, first first facility was very much like Chico, and we're <laughs> this is Mills River now. That's an honor to be even uh, within that sentence as them, uh, but it does kind of have yeah. That, you know, we learned a lot in those years, and um, yeah, I'm happy we we're able to implement so many different things. And even now, doing this where we're doing it again a second time now, right across the street. Um, yeah, with stuff we're gonna do differently now. Just even even yeah. learning from the last two and a half years of operating this facility of like, okay, wish we could do things differently. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I I, I want to ask about the 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 new new facility, but um, when you're talking about uh, dancing grain and seeing that look of pride and that look of happiness and thinking about for when you first opened the you know the original location uh, and feeling that when this opened, what was that feeling in comparison to? the first time. So when we opened this, unfortunately it was during the shutdown. So we, it was very anticlimactic in that sense because we were brewing here, which felt really good. That yeah. felt really good to take our brewing back. We had excellent contract partners, uh, single cut, did a lot of our brewing torch and crown did a lot of it. Um, two roads did some of it too. So we, we kind of had a bunch of beers being brewed out in the world to keep our shelf space. We yeah. distributed 10 States now. So, um, that, so it was a little anticlimactic. And then of course we opened our restaurant just for to go service only. So again, it was this very soft, slow, you know, yeah. launch. But for, for my perspective as, you know, as the owner, I have really no experience operating a restaurant and brought in a great team to help out with that. You know, people that have experience that I hired to work. Yeah. Um, but so for, for me, it was actually a really nice slow launch because I got to get my feet wet and kind of ease into the pool and not dive head first. And yeah, when we opened for real, it was crazy. And that right. we probably would have had a lot more, you know, stumbles and, and a lot more issues. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, it was helpful. Um, I don't know if I ever got that awesome feeling like I did the first time yeah. here. Um, just because it's, it was just so chaotic from the fire until opening. And then I had a baby during that time and you know, there's just, there's, there's a lot going there on. was a lot going on um but it was really cool to see it for her because I, I know how long she's been trying to do it yeah and yeah that was that felt felt good from afar to kind of see it on her face i i wrote about this years ago but i i believe this that i think one of the best times to go visit a brewery is on their opening weekend because there is such promise and the, even if the beers aren't dialed in even if you know you're hearing breaking glasses even if you know like people are, are nearing a mental breakdown just from the sheer exhaustion of you know flipping that closed sign to open kind of thing um for from a consumer standpoint it's so much fun because there's just an energy that is never replicated again that you get from that opening weekend Definitely. and it's it's just a fun thing to be to to to, to be around um so yeah, so when I pulled into your parking lot this morning, I noticed that there is a, a lot across the street and there's some houses and everything. And uh, I mostly noticed it because it's a, it's an empty lot that has a single sign that says no dogs allowed. And we I was like, put on <laughs> and I was like, all right, like, that's, that's fine. But you know, poor dogs, it's a really nice looking lawn. Um, uh, but you're taking that over and you're, you're moving across the street or you're expanding across the street, yep. I should say. So that has been certainly a, property that we've had our eyes on. Um, and, um, yeah, it's a kind of a, it's all really one big lot, but it's really three lots. Um, there's a, there's a primary house, a, another house and a couple of garages and an empty lot. And, um, we uh, were putting some bigger tanks in 
Um, and just with the amount of storage and, and whatnot, we've, we've realized we really need some, some more warehousing space. Yeah. And, uh, right before, you know, I've written some letters to them and never got a response to the owners don't live around here. They've just rent out the properties. Okay. And, uh, I didn't mind sure I had the right address. I looked right. it up on the tax, wherever the tax bill was getting sent to and, you know, didn't get a response, but it's say hey, no, no worries. And uh, we had a good relationship with their caretaker that did a lot of the property maintenance and stuff. And he was always, you know, great, plot them out once, you know, that kind of stuff yeah. and help each other out, you know. And uh, we were literally looking in the area to find some offsite storage, get a box truck, another fork truck and start doing the shuffle. Yeah. And um, I got a call from him. He's like, hey, are you able to, to meet me at the tap room? And I was like, I actually have this family thing. And he's like, it's kind of important. The, the owners are in town. I'm like, oh God, okay. Yeah. Is this a good meeting? He's like, I think you're going to want to come to this meeting. And I was like, all right. And they were like, listen, we're 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 all getting a little older. They're in ranges from their 60s to 70s, and we're like, we're, we're downsizing. They have some other properties around here, and they don't yeah. live nearby anymore. Um, we, you know, if you're interested, we'd love to sell to you. And we're like, yes, yes, of course, right. done, yeah. done. Yeah. And then, can I know, buy you a beer? Can I yeah. do what yeah. else can we do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about this. So we, uh, we end up, you know, we settled out on a price, and um, initially it was like, let's put a warehouse up, and then, um, you know, one of the guys in my executive team uh, said, you know, we've been looking for another facility down near the capital region for our to move our wild beer program to, and maybe have another tap room for putting a big warehouse up, could we just do it here? And we have a lot of shared resource. I'm like, that's a really good idea. And of course we should do that. Yeah. And then another person, our executive team who kind of runs our front of the house, um, was like, you know, we get a lot of events that we'd say no to a lot of wedding inquiries. We also have, especially during summer, there's a waiting line to come into the tap room and, um, it'd be really great to have another restaurant and kitchen. So this little warehouse turned into this enormous, uh, basically identical facility, but it does kind of give us you know, maybe the flex that we needed and it, uh, you know, it isn't good for the bank account, but it's also a weird time to building material costs are still astronomical, but it is what it is. And I feel like that's one of those things where people start saying that stuff to you and you just start seeing the dollar signs float in front of your eyes of just what is this gonna, yeah. You know, it's it, for me, it happens after, you know, I get just excited. I'm like, Oh yeah, we should do this. And you know, I'm, I'm, you know, spending all the money in my head. And then I, you know, later at, I'm laying down in my bed at night and I'm kind of starting to think of like, now how do I make this happen? Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, it's the, it's a definitely, it's going to be a fun. Um, I think it definitely, it gives us definitely a cool kind of a cool campus feel. Um, and I, I think it's, um, you know, as we distribute to more states and, um, although we're not going to be distributing to any more states, uh, after this, we are definitely lo- focusing more on just kind of local and, and whatnot. Um, we, we have a hard time keeping up with our kind of local dis- distributor demand. Um, so although we're not really necessarily expanding anymore, but because we are throughout the Northeast and a couple other states, we, um, there's a lot of people, this is a big vacation area. So when they're yeah. coming, we've kind of become a destination of the tourism. If you're coming up from the city to go to Vermont, you literally get off this exit. Yeah. If you're going up to, you know, Lake Placid, Adirondacks, Lake George. So we see a lot of different people. So, um, it does feel good if you're coming here for an experience to not have to necessarily, you know, wait sure. an hour to get a table or, or to have to sit in a beer garden and, and, you know, have a long line for food and, and whatnot. So for us, the experience matters so much. To, so I think this kind of gives us that maybe that long-term, um, flex that we really kind of needed. 
More in a moment, but first, thanks to the companies that help keep us on the air. If you'd like to help out the show as well, you can reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. And today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Brewed in Boston and Vermont for decades by their employee owners, it's hoppy, crisp, and perfectly balanced. Harpoon IPA, New England's original IPA. Visit harpoonbrewery.com to learn more. And if you're headed to Colorado for GABF, you should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion, featuring America's top craft breweries pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere, and you get to meet the men and women who brewed them. More information at pintsforprostates.org. And now back to the conversation. You mentioned being in 10 different states, and, and I'm glad you brought that back up because earlier you had talked about um, you know, breweries focusing on local and not being maybe, you know, with, with so many other breweries out there, you know, competition on shelves is harder, growth is harder than it's ever been before. And then you mentioned that you were in 10 states and then we were talking about other stuff and then you, you, you know, you brought up, you know, that again. Um, what is it? It, it, there's all these different weird tiers in beer, you know, and, you know, local tap rooms, uh, you know, if you take COVID out of the equation have been you know, largely doing well. Um, you know, the, some of the, the very larger guys are, are suffering. Uh, the, the ones in that sort of like weird middle tier, um, you know, are hit or miss that kind of thing. And then you're in that tier that seems to be just kind of below that, um, with distro and all of that. So what is it like, with 10 state distribution with where you are right now and what that means for the future, what that means mm -hmm. for, you know, near and, and, and short, uh, short term and, and, and then even long term. Yeah. So I would say, you know, the bulk of our distribution is probably in closer to five states, Okay, you know, and we have, there's, as you know, there's a lot of, um, we'll do some quarterly drops, in some states that are farther out, you know, Tavora is that side project, uh, kind of company that side project is very, very much a company. Yeah. Um, but has that kind of similar kind of online focus director retailer. So we're with them in a couple different states. Okay. Um, that gives us some weird, but it's really more just brand building. I would say more anything else. Um, but, uh, that so I, and I'm, I'm kind of forgetting what that company is called. So they launched Tavor and then they launched another company that goes direct to retailer. Okay. Um, so we're with them in California, Arizona, and a couple other spots. Um, and that's that's a quarterly thing for us. And it's yeah. kind of funny to see your beer on draft and Flagstaff or something weird, you know, not, or canned. I would say yeah. we just are shipping out packaged beer to those or somewhere in, you know, California. And you're like, you see someone check in at a bar, and you're like, no way. And I'm like, oh yeah, because yeah those guys did that. Yeah. It's like, Oh, but it, it is kind of interesting. Cause we actually have had friends text. I was like, you're on draft at this spot or on, you have cans at this spot. Yeah. But I would and say, then, you know, and then do you have to say, and what did you guys order? Or what do yeah. you think of it? And, <laughs> and you like, got, oh, well, we, you we, got Bush light, right? Yeah. yeah. We got the <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> With all those people touching it by the time I got to that bar. But, um, no, so those are, you know, that, 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 that gives us four kind of rogue states. And then, you know, we're, uh, the Northeast is primarily it. You know, we're largely in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, um, New Jersey, yeah. uh, Pennsylvania, um, obviously New York, yeah. uh, for Vermont and uh, Connecticut. And um, 
you know, each of those states are various volumes that we do. New York is obviously, you know, I would say 80% of our our distribution volume comes out of New York. Um, It makes sense for us to go into a state like Vermont because, again, we sit right on the border. We're at a lot of ski resorts. it's, what, 10 minutes from here. Yeah, Yeah, it's pretty pretty close. And, you know, we have – there's a lot of overlapping customer groups and, you know, similar – similar whatnot um you know and but for you know some of those smaller states you know as if we are kind of growing in this region um more and more and we have seen um you know very knock on wood we've been really lucky locally um to a point where we have to probably make some tough decisions and and we might not be able to service uh, a state that maybe isn't taking you know isn't really doing a, a volume for us yeah that is my dream to be honest with you, I would love really just to have one distributor. Um, I love all of our distribution partners. Well, of course. I, I yeah, don't yeah. want to like ever talk ill, but I, I think that, you know, I think there's some breweries that are our size that are in that, you know, we're probably slated to do about um, 8,000 barrels this year. And we're with the new tanks coming in next year, we'll be closer to 10 to 12,000, maybe at the, our peak, but that's still a smaller brewery compared to comparatively. Yeah. Um, so we have to be mindful of where that beer goes, but um, you know, in the same sense, um, we talk a lot about community in the beginning of this. Yeah. I do feel funny about sending our beer to, you know, Rhode Island sometimes or, or somewhere sure. that's so far away that there, you know, that there isn't that still connection to place that, you know, those people might have never even heard of us or even come to the brewery or see anything like that. Um, but um, we also love, I mean, we have, we have great relationships. I mean, Pennsylvania does a lot of beer for us. Philadelphia is a great city. New Jersey, your yeah. home state, we sell a ton of beer to Remarkable I, Liquid down there. Yeah, it's, I see it. Yeah. Uh, it's been, it's, you know, th- those are going to be some tough, tough decisions if we're, we have to do pull out of some, some states, but we are done growing. And I, I say that with, with, uh, all certainty that the, the, these new tanks that are coming in are the final tanks that we're putting in. That's, uh, we don't have any dreams to be any bigger than we are. Do you find, cause you are in this, um, uh, tourism area that, you do better in outside states from people who have vacationed here? Absolutely. Do you have data that that shows you that? Sure. People are coming up to Lake George from Jersey. Sure. They've, they've been to our brewery. Um, you know, it's absolutely okay. Without a doubt. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's a huge aspect of it. Um, and that's the benefit to us living in this area. Yeah. When you're doing the direct to consumer stuff through whatever divorce thing is, um, and you're going, you're sending beer out to California, you're sending beer out to Arizona. What are you sending out there? And are you, are you trying to be strategic about it? Yeah, usually. I mean, they're pretty good about, uh, you know, they're great about picking up it's refrigerated trailer trucks and, um, but yeah, we've, we definitely think about, um, cause out there it's only brand building. You know, there's no, you're not getting a, re, a repeat customer. I'm not looking right. for shelf space at, at a, at a grocery market in Bay area, California Sure. or in, you know, suburban Phoenix. You exactly. Know? So it, it is, you know, for us, you're like, all right, well we have these, you know, they, you know, we're up on our coming into the, you know, our next time our quarterly drop, whatever we're going to do. Yeah. We, we, we definitely strategically pick whether it's a rotational something or, you know, something sour or, sure. or if we're going to, we look at what some data that's been there, you know, if, if Arizona has been stoked on, um, you know, maybe lager, maybe we're sending out a Pilsner instead, sure. you know, maybe we're, we're totally not sending out any IPA. Okay. Um, the nice thing about them is that it does go direct. So I'm not as concerned about 
you know, them sitting on some shelf, you know, whereas you do think about that, you know, if I'm sending beer to New Jersey and we send quite a bit, not mm-hmm. only our core, but we do so rotational, you know, it might go to a beverage center and, you know, we want to think about, you know, like, how's that? We're never sending, you know, it has to be fresh. We want to make sure we're not there as often. We're only sending a monthly drop to New Jersey. Yeah. So those are different considerations, but you know, for out there, it's kind of more fun. I would say, it's yeah. Like, All right. Here's what we're going to send. What do we have? What does well? We have some data now for a year or so of two years, maybe of, That's of cool. doing these drops. Um, yeah, I was just always just sort of curious because like you don't want to send something that's just going to languish, but something that people can be excited about. So that's it's a yeah. tough thing because also like you know common or good fortune IPA is is our you know our biggest core brand and by volume that we do, and uh, so sometimes there's there's a side of me that just wants to send that beer. Like here's a reputation of of a beer that we have. Yeah. But that being said, I mean I'm happy it you know keeps the lights on here. But as a the brewer in me wants to always brew different stuff. You yeah. know I don't even drink IPA much anymore. To tell you the truth. <laughs> really. I I do. I'm not saying I, I'm not, but it's it's not usually my first pull on the bar down here. Um, but I, I drink enough when I'm out having common roots elsewhere. Sure. I know it'll be an IPA on draft. So, <laughs> um, there's always been, that's a fascinating thing though, because there's always been this idea and I don't know how true it is because I, I've, <laughs> you know, is, um, brewers can move the needle and there's always this long talk of, um, well, brewers are drinking Pilsner. So consumers are going to come around to it. And, it's a nice thing to say, and the IRA data doesn't necessarily uh, uh, bear that out. Uh, even if there are lager-centric breweries now, and even when you go to places, that's all the brewers are drinking, and you know, folks like me are drinking and things like that. Um, could that be the shift, though? Of I, I'm not saying that you're not into IPAs, but if it's not what you're, you know, favoring to drink, but you're still making it, kind of thing, will consumers come along with that at some point? Are you just a little bit further along from where they are perhaps, or is it? Well, I think it's an interesting, you know, we talked a lot about in the beginning of like, how do you get that bush light drinker to come over? Yeah. You know, and we opened up, you know, we were one of the first breweries in the state to have a cool ship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, that was really what got me into craft beer. It was mixed fermentation and, and wild, um, wild beer. And, you know, that's to, to have a 36 month old spontaneous blended beer that I'm very proud of. And I give it to that, bush light drinker that's yeah. that's a big jump yeah that's, you know, that's level seven or yeah whatever you're at now um so you know you look at the reason why we do as many kettle sours as we do because for me that's that's a stepping stone to maybe something a little bit more sophisticated on the palate yeah like get the acidity get used to that get used to something that tastes a little bit different than bush light you know it might it might even take them a little bit longer to get to bush light maybe they have a, a commerce lager pilsner Maybe they try an IPA. Yeah. Maybe then they'll try a kettle sour. Maybe then they'll try one of our wild mixed fermentation, one of our fooder beers, one of yeah. our aged, you know, variants or whatever. Um, so I think the IPA is the reason why I'm still excited that people are still drinking it is because I still think it's, um, especially if it's a New England, you know, hazier style and they're much more approachable than maybe some of the original West Coast IPAs were. Yeah. Where if you didn't like something that was bitter and astringent, although I've my two favorite beers are that we do here is Last Light and Daylight. They're both West Coast style yeah. IPAs. Yeah, no, it's I was looking at the menu beforehand. Yeah. I was like, ah, that's probably where I'm gonna be. Yeah. And um, you know, that that is still kind of an entry level beer, I feel like. And if we are talking about there's, you know, the vast majority of beer drinkers probably aren't craft beer drinkers. So yeah. I think it's still sort of important to have some variety. And I think for us, like some of those IPAs are still can be a stepping stone maybe into our portfolio that maybe gets you a little more excited. 
spontaneous programs are very much passion projects on behalf of brewers, right? Because, I mean, it, it's the economics isn't always there. There's excitement and you can taste, you know, fun bottles and, and you can go stuff, but it's, it, it strikes me as by and large, like this is something that brewers are really jazzed about. And a very small percentage of beer drinkers are, 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 are jazzed about as you think about the new space across the street and that program. And, you know, you mentioned growing that program or, um, what is, what does growth look like for, spontaneous for 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 wild in america yeah you know i'm always really happy when i go to a brewery and i see floor space being taken up or an area designated for their wild program because you think about the square footage what a fermenter makes yeah right in a 10 by 10 square foot yeah you can put a 90 barrel tank and that tank's going to flip how many times Uh a month and it's going to generate that amount of income whereas that six stack of (laughs) barrels you're first of all, they're going to be there for at least 12 months, yeah. hopefully, if not longer. And it's not, you know, you, you will never and get nothing's that real guaranteed. estate and nothing's yeah. guaranteed. And of course, and yeah. So for me, I always love seeing that because it, it shows that they're still driven by the craft. They're still passionate and it's not just about making money. Yeah. Um, and for us, I'm happy we do have a couple of beers that can maybe pay the bills so we can do stuff that maybe we don't, maybe it won't make any money yeah. and that's kind of fine too. And for us, it keeps us passionate about why we got into it. Um, it keeps, I think, uh, and our customers excited too. Um, there is a base that comes in that is jazzed when you have these new releases. There are. Okay. Um, I would say that you're right by volume. It's a very small percentage. Yeah. Um, we had right before we burned, we had this, uh, a beer festival. Um, that was all wild fermentation and we had the who you expect you know plan b everyone was up sure and um i was so nervous that we wouldn't sell enough tickets to pay because i wanted to make it the best festival you know i put everyone up in a hotel we had this big after party with i brought a food truck in for just for the brewers i wanted to like i know what it's like to go to beer fest yeah kind of sucks to tell you the truth most times and especially when it's like oh yeah on behalf of brewers on behalf of the brewers and and, the consumers have fun but consumers have fun but a lot of times you know it's a long day and you know, sometimes you have to doink the beer, all this other stuff, yeah. and you're just, you're left kind of feeling, wow, that was a, that was a whirlwind. And a, a lot of them are just drinking fast anyway, yeah. you know. And that's and from when you're pouring beer, that's a long day to be doing. So I was like, if we're gonna do a fest, we should do it, make it right. Yeah. But I was looking at the economics. I'm like, I don't know if we're even gonna sell enough tickets to even <laughs> buy be able to buy the beer from them, you know. Yeah. And thank God we did. But I think that showed that even in an area that's maybe still developing their palate. And maybe doesn't have as much access like the city and, and other spots yeah. um, that have just, you know, incredible ability to get good beer and, and make good beer. Um, there is a group up here that was that was willing to come out and have a festival of all, you know, a particular style of beer. Yeah. Um, I hope it doesn't go away. I hope there is, you know, I hope the, you know, pre-made craft cocktails and. Yeah, you're good. Oh, uh, I hope they, uh, seltzers and everything else don't, you know, maybe take the wind out of sail for, for awesome, you know, breweries that are solely doing that, like plan B, like scratch, like breweries that have just completely committed to, you know, the authenticity of, you know, curating not only their ingredients, but like the forging and, and, you know, to make it really as authentic as possible. Um, and I hope that, that there's still a large market of, of beer drinkers that are still, up and coming and we didn't see that segment just kind of fade out. 
Yeah. With, uh, and I'm still very hopeful or we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. Are and, you bringing the fest back? I would like to. I mean, I think it's one of those things where, I don't know, post pandemic's different, you know? And we think about things differently now. I also, um, there's also a lot of festivals and we don't, don't have to add to that stress either. Yeah. Um, I think it's fun to, to brew beer with friends and collaborate and have, you know, special releases and things like that. I also, you know, I think a lot more about, um, you know, where we're able to source and, you know, now that we've kind of grown a little bit now up, you know, it is a little bit more difficult. We have outdoor grain silos, two of them, you know, yeah. like it, it'd be tough to get all New York state grain from that. Sure. You know, so to be able to have something that kind of re- refocuses that program for us, where it, there is more of that connection to terroir and, and, you know, the local kind of environment, I think that's, you know, where our kind of passion is and, and hopefully, you know, our customers trust us to, that they're still stoked on that. We've been only, so the goal here is we haven't, uh, we've, because this facility is is very much clean, um, clean beer being made, um, we have, uh, we are only blending, um, former barrels and, uh, um, and our fooder and whatnot. And, uh, some of our punching tanks, um, right now for that was old beer. Okay. So we've, we're living off, we're kind of going through our vintage right now of barrels and kind of restarting that program, which is sad because we've had. You know, I think 2015 was our first cool ship batch we did. So we actually had some pretty, some pretty old beers that were out there. Um, some of those beers, the nice thing, our barrel warehouse was pretty much saved in the fire. So we were able to kind of, we packaged a lot into still and into kegs to yeah. preserve them. Um, some barrels we were able to kind of transport without um, disrupting it too much. Um, but so we've been kind of, we had maybe had about 50 or 60 barrels that we're able to kind of work through. So the beer that's coming out right now is from those vintages. Okay. Um, and from our fooder, we did, we were able to fill our fooder one more time since it's been here and we did do a, a kind of a weird cool ship batch with the door open one night. It was okay. a little, a little sketchy. Luckily we have the police station right next door, that's, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> weren't too worried about it. But, uh, so that, that is in bloom, which sits in that one big fooder we have, which is our kind of like house kind of run like a Solera method where um, we always have a little culture and we kind of top it off. Um, that tote that you mentioned at the top of the show of pulling out, uh, when the fire was still just, just getting going. And I'm sorry that I don't know this. Did anything ever come of that beer? We, um, it got packaged Okay. and it's sitting in bottles right okay. now. We have not released it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, is there a plan? There is not a plan. Okay. I think I'd talk to maybe Tony and Zach and see what, you know, <laughs> I think we probably forgot it's sitting. Um, <laughs> it's been bottle conditioning for a while. We actually popped one the other day. Um, and our thought was maybe it might be fun to kind of do another batch of something and yeah. maybe have them both the real old vintage with something with that's kind of new. Okay. Um, but it, yeah, it's sitting there and every so often we release a batch of, of some bottles. There's usually once a month we're kind of doing some sort of bottling of our, uh, of some wild beer. I've been asking folks on the show for gosh, a while now. Um, the green door question. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but, uh, there's a show called the good place. And, uh, uh, in the last season of The Good Place, you uh, there's this opportunity for people to walk through a green door and be anywhere that they want at any point in time um, doing whatever they want to be doing. So if such a green door existed on this plane of existence and we finished this conversation and you could walk through it and be at any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? 
Ooh, that is such a good question. I'm happy you didn't ask me that before that because I would have probably overthought it too much. The first gut thing that comes out, maybe I'm just nostalgic because he recently passed away. It was maybe to be at Trifontine and sure. maybe to be able to, I was fortunate to get to visit there um, when I, I actually went out to Quintessence of, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 2018 or 2017, I was sure. out there and um, was able to connect with their brewery's business manager, Werner, and uh, got a nice little tour and got the pull pin. For me, this was like, <laughs> could not be in a better, you know, I was hanging out Canthia on the day before, I'm like, this is just everything for me. Yeah. And Armand just happens to walk in and I'm just like, oh, you know, if I didn't just piss myself, you know what I mean? I was like, all right, keep it cool. Don't act like a fanboy. And he just gave, you know, was talking and just kind of gave this like impromptu, like 30 minute discussion with this other group that we just kind of joined Werner introduced us and whatnot. And it left me being like, man, I wish I could have a whole week with you. Sure. And I think maybe it is a little nostalgic because obviously he just passed away and yeah. it's, you know, a big you know, a big chapter ending of, of an amazing blender. Um, but that would be something that I would love to have, uh, maybe open that door and walk back to a time when, uh, I could just hang out there and, and get to know him more. Cause sure. there was, it left, I left there wanting more, you know, to learn more, to, to understand more, um, about everything, you know, that's cool. That's probably it. Well, thanks for opening up the conference room. Thanks for yeah. having me here on a on a weekday morning to uh, to to chat. And um, yeah, I appreciate it. Oh, I, I, always good seeing you. I'm happy you came up. The brewery should be a destination for anyone traveling through the area, and it was great fun to visit. And that hot chicken sandwich on the menu was one of the best I've had. Highly recommended. Speaking of food and beer, the Craft Brewery Cookbook is now on sale where books are sold. Get a copy today. And All About Beer is back online. Go to allaboutbeer.com to catch up with great content. If you want to keep in touch with me, questions, comments, guest suggestions, email me. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at allaboutbeer.com. Or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. All About Beer is, of course, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just follow along at All About Beer. And This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TW Rauk Beer. We're able to bring you the show each week. Thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you would like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, today's episode is sponsored by the Harpoon Brewery. Did you know that Harpoon IPA is New England's original IPA? Brewed in Boston and Vermont for decades by their employee owners, it's hoppy, crisp, and perfectly balanced. Harpoon IPA, New England's original IPA. Visit harpoonbrewery.com to learn more. And if you're headed to Colorado for GABF, you should check out the Denver Rare Beer Tasting on October 7th. It's an incredible afternoon of beer passion, featuring America's top craft breweries, pouring rare, exotic, and vintage brews to benefit the Pints for Prostates campaign. This is truly a bucket list event for a great cause, where you get to try beers you won't find elsewhere, and meet the men and women who brewed them. You can find more information at pintsforprostates.org. 
All About Beer has a podcast channel now. Search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. You can listen to M. Satter and Don Tess. You can catch up on great beer destinations with a new podcast hosted by Andy Crouch. And the Brewer to Brewer podcast is a insightful conversation between two breweries, at which airs every two weeks. Of course, Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And one more time, go visit allaboutbeer.com. And if you want to support us, it's patreon.com slash allaboutbeer. As for this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.